The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. In all the news about the shooting down of Malaysian flight MH17, one story jumps out to all of us interested in premonitions of the other side. One crash victim, 11-year-old Miguel Panduinata, had for days before the accident been asking his mother questions like, How would you choose to die? Will I not feel anything because our souls go back to God? Today's guest, Virginia Hummel, had an equally troubling experience when her own son predicted his death to her. From the hundreds of after-death communications following it, including the appearance of a brilliant ball of light, she connected with the afterlife and uncovered the workings of a divine plan. Virginia is a spiritual grief coach, dynamic speaker, and creator of Bereavement Healing for the Enlightened Soul. She's also co-producer of a new documentary on healing grief through spiritually transformative experiences. She's a lifelong student of the metaphysical, spiritual, and after-death subjects. Her interest in the world of the unseen was sparked by an early at an early age by her own out-of-body experiences and communication with the other side. And with the death of her son, Virginia experienced a series of spontaneous spiritual events which helped her shift her per- perception of death, reclaim her life after loss, and rejoice in her newfound connection to the spirit. Virginia, welcome to NDE Radio. My gosh, thank you, Lee. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's wonderful wonderful to have you here and uh, i'm also looking forward to seeing you at uh, our conference in uh, at the end of august in newport beach california i can't wait that's going to be so exciting we've got a great program planned this year don't we we certainly do well listen could you tell our audience uh, uh, about your story well just like miguel knew that something um was happening. He didn't know what, but he had a premonition, the little boy on the Malaysian flight. My son also had a premonition, and it started with his birth. The day I held him, um, I knew that he was going to cross before I did. And it was such a horrible thought. I, I didn't know where that knowledge was coming from. I only knew that it was very powerful and profound. And for 25 years, I held my breath. I, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew something was going to happen. And as a teenager, he came to me and told me when and how. He said he knew when and how he was going to die, but he didn't want to share that information. And eventually, I got him to tell me that he would die at 52. But my son died at 25. And it was about six months after his death that I recalled our conversation and saw those numbers reverse themselves to 25, and he died. He died at 25 years old. Mm. I had also had um, a premonition the evening before his death, and I climbed into bed early. And as I was laying there, I thought to myself, "Geez, I'm taking a break while my son is lying dead in a ditch somewhere." And I thought, "Why would I think that? How horrible!" Yet. Not, you know, six or seven hours later, that's exactly where the police found him. He had a motorcycle accident. Mm. And where does this information come from, Lee? This, this was, um, it, it not only bothered me, but it intrigued me. Uh, you know, it bothered me on one level because as a mother, we want to do everything we can to protect our children. 
but on another level was I receiving information to help me in my son's crossing, to help me with my healing? That was the big question. And, you know, the little boy on the Malaysian flight, Miguel, he knew. He knew something was up. He hugged his mom the night before and didn't want to let go. He asked her what would happen if the plane crashed. He asked her all of those, uh, what happens when we die. And, you know, there's a, um, several other mothers. One that was in the news, her name is Scarlett Lewis. She was a mother from Sandy Hook who lost her little boy, Jesse, in the Newtown shooting. And uh, she knew at his birth that she wouldn't have him long. And the week before he crossed over, he asked his father about how he would be able to recognize his grandmother in heaven when he died. And his dad was very puzzled by a question like that from a little six-year-old, but he was insistent. Um, And then the day of the shooting, the little boy's parents were supposed to meet him after school, and he was sure it wasn't going to happen. He was very melancholy. And then he got out of the car, and his dad walked him into the hallway, into the school, and he put his hands on his dad's shoulders, And he said, Dad, I want you to know it's all going to be okay and that I love you and Mom. And he turned around and walked off. And a week later, um, Scarlett received a package of her little boy's things from his classroom. And in there was a picture he had drawn of a little boy with angel wings and a big menacing uh, individual standing across from him with his face was blacked out. So clearly this little boy knew something was up. Hmm. Um, Mary Neal, author of To Heaven and Back, uh, she had an amazing near-death experience during her kayaking accident, but what intrigued me was her conversation she had had with her son, Willie, at age, somewhere between age four and five. She remembers something um, along the lines of, you know, Willie, when you're 18, and Willie stopped her and said, Mom, I am not going to be 18. Don't you remember that was the plan? And she said it stuck a knife in her heart, but she really relished and cherished each day she had with her son. And several months before Willie died, he he asked about a will and a life insurance policy. And then a few days before, he began talking about with his friend, where does the soul go? What is a soul? Um, They were talking about death and what happens when you die. And then the day of his death, he and his friend were training uh, roller skiing, and they crested this beautiful ridge, and with this, I think it was along sunset, and he just said, gosh, wouldn't this be the most wonderful scene if this was the last thing that we saw? And three minutes later, he was killed by a car. So clearly there's something of a spiritual nature happening. And um, I think it's really important that we as members of, of IONS and those that know about these amazing signs, that we could get this information out to other parents, other mothers who've lost their children, family members who've lost loved ones, to help them understand there is something of a spiritual nature. There is a divine order and a plan. And this is really what helped me in my grief healing. Mm. Do you think, uh, Virginia, that by knowing something is coming, we have any capacity or ability to change it? 
or or prevent it in the case of a, the death of a child, or uh, is it? Um, I mean, is it predestined? Is it set in in stone? Well, that is a great question, Lee. Um, Mary's in Mary's case, Mary Neal's case. Uh, her son said he was going to die at eighteen, but he didn't die until age nineteen, and just before his nineteenth um, birthday. Mary had had a dream in which a young man came to her, and after death communication, a young man came to her and said that he was trading places with Willie, and she found out the next day that a young athlete had been killed in an accident, and Willie lived another year. You know, I think there it's possible that we have um, uh, a variation on this storyline that we're living but I think, you know, my research and my experience tells me that there is a divine order, there is a divine plan, and we may have a little leeway. One of the things I struggled with, and I know that many parents struggle with, is the guilt. If I'd known at the birth of my son that he was going to die before I did, shouldn't I, as a parent, have done everything in my power to keep him safe? And that that was a really tough thing to swallow um, as a mother who is newly in grief. But I realized that it didn't serve me to hold on to that guilt, to think like that. What I had to understand is that I gave my son the opportunity to live his life the way he wanted. Believe me, when he walked out the door to tell me he was going cliff diving, I didn't have a panic attack and think back to that moment that he was born. But we have to, you know, we're so here experiencing this wonderful uh, earthly experience to to learn and to, um, you know, go through all the emotions and the joys. And I believe that each of us has our own individual mission. So, um, I One thing I would like to mention is that as a child, I knew I was given a set of instructions, but I couldn't figure out what they were. And a set of instructions from God, from the other side, I recognized there was another side. But it wasn't until after the death of my son that I became very clear on what that message was that I had forgotten so long ago. And I think if we're able to maybe step back from these tragic experiences that we have, and we're given the opportunity to become aware of these spiritually transformative experiences, the STEs, these events, the premonitions, the after-death communication, the knowing, pre-birth contracts, the amazing information that near-death experiencers bring back, that they can really help us shift our perception of death and aid in our healing of grief. Yes. Now, did you have, you had early on some out-of-body experiences, is that right? I did, I did, and they were uh, as a child, and um, in, in fact, I had one uh, about two and a half years ago, and it was just very brief, but it was, it was just after an energy worker had worked on me to help clear some trauma, and as I was laying on the table relaxing, I left my body and became this huge sphere. I must have been 15 feet uh, across, and I don't recall being in a physical form, 
but my consciousness was there. And I looked back at myself on the table, and my first thought was, holy cow, this is absolutely incredible. And then my human self realized that something wasn't right. Oh, my gosh, I had disconnected from my body. I was outside my body, and boom, I was sucked back in. But, (laughs) you know, um, Lee, have you had anything like that, an out-of-body? I know you've had a near-death. Yes, and it it was... um Pretty much an out of body experience, and uh, except for what I saw, where I saw I could go, but mm-hmm. yes, I was, uh, I was, well, it's it's uh, on the website, but I I drowned as a seven year old and was, um, and was up in a birch tree watching as my mother rushed down to the shore and dove in and found me and pulled me out, and mm-hmm. so I I saw there was a light I could go into as well, mm-hmm. but uh, I decided to stick around. No one told me I, you know. I had to make a decision one way or the other. I just, I just did. Mm-hmm. But when you were, when you were a child, do you remember anything about those, those out-of-body experiences? I, you know, I don't remember specific events. What I do recall, which was very pivotal in my grief journey with my son, was I can remember. Uh, I think I was about eight years old, and I was standing in my driveway. And no one was around, and I can remember asking myself. How did I get to be me? How did I get in this body? And I can remember pinching my arm, and I, and I could say, gosh, I'm here all right, but why didn't I come back as my brother or my mother or my dog? Now, those were lofty thoughts for a young child. I yes, indeed. I <laughs> thought anything about that. You know, my, my parents, my mom, we were Christian scientists, and it was, you know, you go to heaven after, when you die. Well, what's heaven? But for me to think that and to contemplate that, and so as I traveled, you know, my my road in life, I continued to have experiences that were not explained. My parents couldn't explain these, nor could I talk to my parents about these experiences. And um, my both my son and my older daughter are very psychic, and they had a very strong connection. When he crossed over, he contacted her quite a bit through the after-death communication. And I was contacted quite a bit. It was, um, it really, the one thing about these spiritual events, these spiritually transformative experiences that we can have, is they can help to shift our perception of death. Thus, they offer us the opportunity to, to really shift our grief journey, to take control of something which we know in the traditional grief experience to be a a very painful and disparaging type of uh, of journey. The, the you know, most people feel that you're sentenced to a lifetime of despair. But what I discovered in this whole experience, when I combined my experience at age eight, these out of uh, body rec- recognizing that I, I came from somewhere else. Um, you know, little events, manifestations, and voices and um, after-death communications through through the dreams, what I realized is there was, there was something happening. And during my grief journey, when I began to open myself up to those kinds of experiences, it lifted me up out of that despair and that pain and that sadness. And it began to fill me with joy. Now, I, I was felt like a washing machine on agitate, for goodness sakes, because I had my, my mother's broken heart. But I was also touching 
touching the divine. My son was everywhere. I, Lee, I would love to share um, one of the most profound experiences I had during my, my grief journey. Um, yes. My son would come as a hummingbird, and I, I, when I would think of him, a little hummingbird would come up to the window. And about a month after my, my son's death, I was in my garage cleaning out, you know, going through some of his boxes and his things, and I just, my heart was breaking, and tears were spilling down my cheeks, and suddenly a little hummingbird flew into the garage, halfway in the garage, right in front of me, three feet in front of me, and hovered and looked right at me. And I suddenly had this shift in energy, and I could feel my son Christopher everywhere. And the moment I was lifted from despair to hope that there was something more happening, that little bird took off. He came to shift my energy. Well, about two years later, I moved to a new house. And in the interim, I would think of my son Chris, and a little hummingbird would appear, and it truly lifted me. So I was in the brand-new house, and the moving van hadn't arrived yet. And I was unpacking some boxes, and I thought to myself, gee, I wonder if my son knows I moved. And then I chided myself, well, of course he does. And I uh, suddenly heard a little, and I thought, what is that noise? And I went to investigate, and I went into the great room, and I left the door open, a sliding door open about a foot. In the great room was a little hummingbird, and he had flown in, and he was trying to escape through one of the large picture windows. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get this little bird out? I don't have a net or a broom. I can't chase him out this door. What do I do? Suddenly, I was compelled to walk towards this little bird, and I walked towards him, and I stopped about 10 feet away from the glass window. And I don't know what made me do this other than it was a message from spirit. I closed my eyes, and I raised my hand into the air, and that little bird lighted on my fingertips. And wow. I couldn't believe it. I had goosebumps. I lowered him down. I'm looking at this little bird in just such gratitude of, of the divine nature of everything around me. And suddenly I could feel my son. He was in the air I was breathing. He was in the sunlight streaming through the window. And I said, Chris, you're here. And there sat this little hummingbird with one foot on my index finger and one foot on my middle finger. And he was magnificent. But yet I could feel my son everywhere in the room. What a healing moment that was for me. And we, goodness, um, I I just know that when we can show people and grieving people out there that there's truly something more. We can really shift their whole grief journey. We can allow them the opportunity to create something, to lift the limits off the traditional grief experience and really lift the limits off their ability to to completely heal from a tragic event. Now, when you do spiritual grief counseling, Mm -hmm. do you encourage people to... uh to be alert to the possibilities of uh, after-death communication? And the second question, or the second part of that question is, and if they don't feel that they've had anything like that, do they feel uh, deprived or um, somehow lacking? Well, 
the first question, yes, I do. It's important that we that uh, we allow people to know that there's many different ways that our loved one lives on, you know, not only in our hearts and in, in that love in our hearts, but there's ways to connect with them through the after-death communication, certainly. Um, and, yes, many people are sad. They want so much to have a spiritual experience. But what I found, the key to having these spiritual experiences and connecting with your loved one is not only remaining open to the possibility of having it, it is shifting your energetic level, your vibrational level. You know, despair and grief, um, anger, fear, all of that, it, it sends a specific energetic imprint out into the universe. And it is the furthest, fear and grief and pain are the furthest away from the divine feeling of love. Love and joy and excitement are very, very high spiritual experiences. So what I noticed during my grief experience that I could share with um, the individuals that I work with is that when I shifted my thoughts from something sad, because I realized a thought created a feeling, it preceded a feeling, when I began to consciously choose my thoughts and begin to um, become excited and joy-filled, even in the midst of, deep midst of my despair from the very beginning, I realized it shifted my vibration and it opened me to these little miraculous events that were happening that Spirit was giving me and allowing me to know that life continues on. Consciousness survives the death of the physical body. And one thing we have to understand about grief, we all have to grieve. We have lost a loved one. Someone we love so deeply has died, and there is that lost connection with them in the physical. So we must listen to our body and our heart. When we're in pain, get out on the floor and wail, which is what I did. I wailed with the best of them. But in the moments I wasn't wailing, I was joyfully and excitedly waiting for a connection to my son. And that's what's important, to know that we have the opportunity to do both and that by recognizing that that there is that we can lift the limits off the grief, we don't have to be in that state of despair all, all of the time, that it is okay to give ourselves permission to go back and forth, to reach out, to reach up, and to lift ourselves up out of that grief, even though maybe 10 minutes later we get sucked back down into it. But that, that's the most important thing, to, to help people recognize there is a way to do it, and there is a way to shift your energy to really participate in these spiritual experiences. Why do you suppose if we have a hand in planning our lives before we're born, why would we, why would we plan such uh, devastating experiences into the, into the mix of, of being alive on Earth? Well, that's a, that's a great question. If we really embrace the notion that we are eternal beings, and that we, our consciousness never dies, then we are only here in, a, in an earthly body for a limited time. And this is my personal opinion. But in my research and experience, I have come to realize we do live on, and we actually drop our body much like a vehicle, 
And you know that firsthand, Lee, by, by your near-death experience when you drowned and you were sitting up in a tree. You stepped out of that physical. So sitting up in a tree, you could step outside of the drama that was happening around you, watching your mom, you know, in, in a panic race to save you, to pull you from the water, but you probably sat there and watched impartially as this was happening. So with that in mind, if we can be impartial on the other side and say, gosh, this is what I would like to experience this time, knowing full well that no matter how traumatic and horrible an event we experience, we have the ability to leave our body afterwards and be perfectly fine, perfectly whole in God's divine light, that spark of light in that divine consciousness, and be okay. And this is really what what um, I tried to wrap my mind around as I was going on through my grief journey with my son, even though I knew in advance, I was told in advance he would die before I did. And I studied spirituality and metaphysics. I still was not prepared for the physical pain that accompanied that. But with the understanding that it was a momentary pain, you know, many near-death experiencers talk about the moment of, of impact with a vehicle and they pop right out of their body. I clung to that knowledge and that information that near-death experiencers had given when I thought about my son's motorcycle accident. He impacted a um, the metal pole of a chain-link fence in, in, um, uh, buried in concrete mm. with his back. And as a mother, I could only hope that at that moment of impact, his soul or consciousness energy popped out of his body, and yet his physical body remained. And that gave me great comfort to, to embrace the notion that we are eternal beings. One of the uh, thoughts that crossed my mind when we've heard of all these terrible uh, experiments in executing prisoners, mm. and for instance, the last one in Arizona where person took two hours of suffering to die, one would hope that his soul could leave that that torture mm-hmm. uh, and uh, maybe observe it from a distance, but mm-hmm. uh, not not have to go through it. Well, we would all hope that, but I wonder, you know, in this greater scheme of things, in this master plan, Mary Neal, in her book, To Heaven and Back, talks about uh, the pre-birth planning that we do with God and an angel prior to our incarnation on this life, and that we really know, uh, you know, the pattern and the mission that we're on, the experiences we're going to have, and I believe there's a little leeway, and this gentleman who experienced this two-hour um, ordeal, if he was unconscious, maybe it's also like those our loved ones in hospitals who are unconscious. They are out of body and watching from a distance. You know, we, we don't know until we actually physically and spiritually go through that ourselves, although you know and other NDE experiencers know, understand that. Um, uh, have you heard of Michael Newton? He wrote Journey of Souls and uh, Destiny of Souls. Yes. Uh, he uh, um, did a past life regression, a lives between lives regression with a woman who, who's, um, I think her parents had been in the Holocaust. 
and she was very angry over those events. And, of course, they were traumatic, traumatic events in history. But what she realized during her life, her life between life experience, was that we are all these, these souls with this enormous capacity for love that's at our core, and that we choose these dramas, we participate in groups in these dramas here on Earth. And she understood, she had the ability to look at the man who was the guard. It might have even been her experience. And she realized that it was much more difficult for him as a soul to play the role of the brutal guard than it was for her to play the victim, his victim. And when she came out of that life-between-life experience, she said she would have much rather have been the victim than the soul that had played the guard. And she said she was healed. She, that, that pain and that anger from that traumatic event left her. Virginia, so, we are, we are, I'm afraid we're out of time. <laughs> and I want uh, you to tell folks how they can get in touch with, uh, if, you, if they'd like to um, learn more. VirginiaHummel.com. And I, um, I talk all about these uh, spiritually transformative experiences in my upcoming book, Cracking the Grief Code. And if you're interested, you could have a free download of this book on launch day. Just go to my website. Um, I talk all about uh, grief healing. My website's under, uh, under construction, but there's quite a bit of information up there right now. And I would, uh, I'm happy to help anybody uh, to understand this a little bit more. And Lee, gosh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show today. Well, thank you so much. This was a, this was very, very interesting. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing you out in Newport Beach in, in August. I do too. Um, <laughs> if uh, folks would like to listen to this show again uh, or any of our other programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANDS, please check that website at iands.org. There will be information on that site about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference on NDEs, Health and Healing in Newport Beach, California. It's August 28th through the 31st. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening.